0: This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is sponsored by the British Columbia Chapter of the Directors Guild of Canada. Learn more about BC's stellar directors at www.directors.ca. That's www.directors.ca. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit wwwpatreoncom podcast Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. I'm your host, Sabrina Furminger. My mission is to pull back the curtain on Vancouver's film and television industry and expose its beating heart, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom style, by getting deep and down and a little dirty with the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work. Capital T, capital W. Today, we welcome Christy Will Wolf to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. When I think of Christy, I immediately think of a photo that she posted on social media, I think last year. In many ways, it's your typical director shot. She's standing behind a monitor. She's speaking with a camera op, a man. She's in the zone. What makes this photo so memorable is that she's cradling a baby girl in one arm and that baby is feeding from her breast. This photo is motherhood and womanhood in a nutshell, and it is how I suspect Christy moves through the world. Don't tell her she can't do something. She'll do it. She'll do it all. She'll do it well. Christy is a busy director and screenwriter who is doing it all and doing it well in the Vancouver film industry. Her first feature film, Slightly Single in LA, was a pioneer acquisition for Netflix. And in the years that followed, she's carved out a niche for herself as an in-demand writer and director of made-for-television movies. She wrote and directed the first-ever movie entirely helmed by a woman for the Hallmark Channel, Channel, 2017's Harvest Love. And last year, she received two hard-earned honors, the Leo Award for Best Screenwriting in a Television Movie for Killer Ending and the Legacy Award from the BC branch of the Directors Guild of Canada. That latter award led to her latest project, a short film entitled Her Coming, about resilience and motherhood and womanhood in a not-too-distant future. Her Coming happens to feature Christy's young daughters, one of whom was the baby girl from that gorgeous photo. So today, I want to talk about resilience. I wanna talk about being a mother and a woman in an industry where our stories have been sidelined for far too long. And I wanna talk about the stories that Christy wants to tell as she moves forward. Christy Will Wolf, welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast.
1: Thank you, thank you for having me.
0: So Christy, you know that photo. Yes. I know you know that photo. Yeah. So what is the story behind that particular photo?
1: So that particular photo, the one that I think you're talking about, that was the one... There's a couple that I've posted. I think the one that you're talking about was a staged one for an interview. And the the photographer wanted to capture from what he had saw from another one that I had posted. And it was for this movie Becoming Santa. So I'm not sure because there's quite a few floating around where I'm nursing.
0: Wow! So I did, like I. I can't I, believe I love it that there is more than one photo of you doing your thing
1: in the zone. There is, like, and and mothering, mothering, yeah. And um, there wasn't really, you know, any hesitation from my producers when that happened too. Like I got pregnant and had the baby, and I really thought that it was just going to stop my career. And I moved from LA to Vancouver, and I thought that was the end of it. And then Tim Johnson, he was so amazing. Like when I had her, he just was like, "Bring her to set." And Oliver DeKegney, They didn't even they didn't even stop for a second. So I hired a doula, she came to set and then they just swoop her in and on my boobs she'd go. Wow. There's um animal wranglers are called the Woodley, the Woodley family. Yeah. And they do a lot of animal, animal wrangling in town. And their son, who's now in his 20s, um, talks about like eight years ago when Amelie was a baby, that the first time he ever saw a boob was on set. And it was mine. <laughs> and I was behind that because I was just like walking around and just breastfeeding her. So, yeah. So I'm not sure if that's the one, but there's a lot of f- photos of me breastfeeding on yeah. set.
0: Um, it, I, I'm also assuming that my reaction to that photo, though, is not unusual You know, even just like, you know, from from reading other comments on Facebook, like that is a very powerful image. Did you were you aware of the power, I guess, not just of that image, but also of just you being on set in that way, you know, with your with your daughter
1: doing it all, doing it well? I wasn't. I, 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 I wasn't. I just I think that was just me and in that in that moment and then it happened again with my second daughter 4 years later and at that time I was a full single mom. Yeah. So my film community was like my family. So literally breastfeeding it was I just no I, n- I never was. I think um Vanessa Prezi, I don't know if that's pronounced her yeah. last name um, before she kind of started when she was just trying to get her career going and she had had her first baby, she called me. And that was the first time that I even realized, you know, when you put stuff out there, you don't even know sometimes people look like, and that was kind of before Instagram, I wasn't really doing that. So you don't see yeah. numbers. And I remember she said, I saw this image of you, and I wanted to talk to you about it. And how did you do that? Like, is I want to do it. And did you ask the producers for help? And did they and it was kind of fun that I just kind of guided her. I was like, no, I just did it. Like, it wasn't I just And from there on out, I just kept doing it. But is- no, I never thought about the power behind it. Maybe now I do. Yeah. But No.
0: I wonder what the lesson is in that, you know, like, is it is it that we we just have to do things and let other people accommodate us or like just the way you're like, okay, I'm here and this is what I'm doing. And then they're like, okay, well, like just make the change happen. You know, is it or is it like the lesson about the role of people like you mentioned, you know, Tim and is it Oliver? Yeah. Uh, You know, and and, you know, the role that that an individual can play or a couple of individuals can play in like changing a changing a culture like I I
1: think it's well what I liked about Tim what he said he said now because now I think there's a few more rules like that because literally I would just have her on set with like elect you know I guess it would be like walking on set with bare feet like it maybe wasn't that safe although it was always safe like I had a professional but um he always said um you do an amazing job. And just because you're a mom, I don't think it's going to stop. And it was never a conversation. It was never um, a detriment to my work. And if anything, it just made me more relaxed that I could have her there. But I also, I think we've talked about, like, I grew up with both my parents passing when I was young. So I was an orphan. So I feel like me bringing my baby to set and not even and just working them into my life. One. I knew that if I wanted to have a career, that I had to just keep plugging ahead. And two, I I just don't think I'm the type of person to ask for permission. I never do. I do and then wait until they come back. Um, just naturally, it's just kind of how I've always because I've never really had anyone tell me no. Yeah, and if they do. I'm like, I mm. love it. Yeah, Christy, willful. Wolf.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it too, and I love that example that you're you're setting for your girls as well. Now, like full disclosure to the to the listeners, like Christy and I know each other from a slightly non well, from a completely non film industry context. Our kids go to the same. Our daughters go to the same school. Like they do some of the same programs. So we've like we've known each other in that. I mean, we've often been two ships passing in the night too harried, like trying to get from one thing to another and juggling. And it's it's hard, but it's fulfilling. So we know each other from that from that kind of context yeah. as well. I would actually, though, love to go back in time um, to to your childhood. Uh, I learned some stuff recently I didn't know before um, you grew up on a on top of a ski. Ski chalet or ski shop, Mm -hmm. you know, so, uh, you know, so, so like, let's go back in time. Tell me what kind of a kid you were and what you wanted to be
1: when you grew up. Um, were you, were you willful? I think I was always willful. Like I, well, you know, one thing I, I, I don't know, like I, my life has never been a surprise in the sense that it's always just felt like a dream, you know, which kind of comes forward to my current movie. Yeah. But so my dad passed when I was 10, and my mom, when I was 14, she was oh. an alcoholic. She died from depression that led into alcoholism. She wasn't an alcoholic before. Mm. Um, but we had owned, prior to that, and it's still in existence, just coming up on its 50th year anniversary, one of the biggest ski shops in Ontario. But um, a ski shop. So I grew up racing and skiing, and we had this great little ski shop in Ontario. It was one of the first ones up there. Um, and I guess as a kid, I, you know, I've always... I, before they died, I, I we, my dad was the first one with the home video camera. And I remember it always we used to do Wizard of Oz and we'd be in our living room and he would tape it. And I remember that. But I never remember myself so outgoing and being in my mind, like my mind creatively. And then I think on their passing, the only way that I picked myself up and literally fell into my own fantasy world was I started telling stories and I started writing and acting and from that time Mm -hmm. on I think from the age of 10 is when I started singing and performing and acting on stage and at the same time making movies too I just didn't know that it was called a director at the time um that's when my career that I that's all I've ever wanted to be yeah in the performing arts I didn't know what area it would be but it all kind of mashes together now so was it a sense
0: of of you wanted to be heard or or you wanted to escape or maybe a little bit of like
1: probably both. a little bit of both, yeah. you know, like I never you know, now as an adult, I mentioned I've been talking about maybe seeing a therapist or someone to talk about, but I never did as a kid. Yeah. Like when my parents passed away and stuff. I went off to a boarding school and it's first year of all co-ed. So it was this old and it still is It's called Trinity College School, old, historic, like all the creme de la creme, like Conrad Black's family, everyone, they all went there. And, oh, that
0: Trinity College school. Yeah. Okay. So the statistic that I saw in your bio was that there were 3,000 dudes and 30 girls.
1: In the first year. Wow. Yeah. And I remember looking at that school. I was, I was Right after my parents had died, and I had been sent to a uh, boarding school to deal with kids with troubles, Rosso Lake College. And I remember being there, and I met this friend of mine who's now a friend. Her name's Tamara Cavander. And she was going to be interviewed, and she was a friend of my roommate or something. And I remember being like, I want to go there. Yeah. And my uncle, who was an, he is an accountant, was a partner and he was all of these rich people's accountants. He was like, Christy, you're not going to get in. Like, they don't take, like, not to be rude, but you've had some trauma. They're not going to take you. And I was like, well, that's fine. We don't tell them. So I went for my interview and pretended that he was my father and my stepmom, Helen, was my mom. And I was like, mom's the word. Nobody say anything. And I played basketball and I skied and I sang and I was outgoing. So I fit. And that's where I think my... Performance came in because I remember being like I can be this I can be them. I can fit into this and all my relationships who I'm still close with all my friends. They developed organically and they were my friends. But that first year I kept it a big secret. Um, And those people who know me from that time, it became a thing. Like, I I actually have a series that I've been working on for a long time. I was going to say,
0: you're putting this into a story, right? Like, we're going to watch this on screen. Oh, so you're working on a series then. Well,
1: it's done. I've been trying to move it. um, And everybody loves it. But they're like, oh, I don't know what this is. Like, is this Party of Five? Or is this like a boarding school thing? Like, But I always say it's a, a little bit of This Is Us, which I have barely even seen. But it goes back in time to tell the story of my mom and then follows this girl in this all-male school. Yeah. Let's go, go ahead. But it was, it's also a lot of humor. Like I'm, I do a, con, a lot of comedy and I'm naturally, I think I get the joke normally. So it's boarding school and fun, but that was it. So I was in boarding school and that was really, I found my stability, like my feet on the ground. And that was my family. Like those people who all became around me and my family and, uh, and the arts, I guess they've, I don't know. It was the only thing that I felt like my stories were all unusual and my stories came from my life. And I realized that my life was already starting to be a bit unusual. Yeah. And I felt that I had a different perspective in the sense that I could almost maneuver into different people's positions. Like my friends or their parents, I could get into their parents' positions and see what they were seeing. And I don't know. I just uh, found that that's kind of how and that's how I still move. I feel like I can always see different sides of the situation, which... Um, is also a good thing, but also a bad thing too. But wow, yeah. honestly, I need to see this
0: on screen. I
1: know, I absolutely do. Also,
0: I'm 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 suddenly thinking about the fact that you were one of a very small group of of women in the sea of boys, you know, at at Trinity College, and then you enter the, an industry, especially a part of the industry where women are have been severely underrepresented. Like, mm-hmm. how do you, how do you think that your experiences at Trinity uh, in that all literally in all boys first year after all boys, I guess, environment, you know, prepared you for mm-hmm. this male still male dominated industry? You know, we're, we're trying to change the tides and we're doing some good work, but, mm-hmm. you know. It definitely still did. a lot of work. That I mean, I'm in in the in the context of this show. Like yesterday, the Oscar nominations were announced, and you know, it was as, as Israe. Well, congratulations to all those men.
1: All those men yeah. and all those male stories. Like yeah. not saying they're bad or not knocking them, but they're all all of, like if I just look at the directing category, literally best film, but just as directing, like they're all male stories. Yeah, they're all male protagonists, and I'm not knocking it, but you know, I'm sure we'll talk about it later. But it's just. There are stories, there are female stories out there. And the reason that they're not recognized is because we're not in the position yet where we are overthrowing the balance scale. We're still a minority in everything. And that's why there's no recognition. You know, that's what I find. But I think that that experience in high school definitely has working in this industry. Because when I was coming up as a director, I never even thought for a second... I am the only girl on set, and I was always the only... Like, my first movie, Slightly Single, in L.A., I think the costume designer, she was probably the only female. But I never thought it was unusual. Yeah. And I never... I would still argue with all my, you know, like not I still don't, but I would have arguments <laughs> with my male colleagues and stuff. And I've never had an issue pushing back at all and having my voice. But I think it's because I never I've always been in that environment. Yeah, I grew up coming up like that. So
0: do you think it's cost you, though? Or do you think it's um, it's
1: impacted how, you know, the patriarchy interacts with you, the patriarchal, you know? Oh, the- yeah. Yeah, Yeah, like not to get into names and stuff. But again, I came up before a lot of directors are now, like, you know, who I find like professionally. We all have um, goalposts that we want to hit. And some of my goalposts, I feel like, and I'm trying to work through it this year, but I feel like earlier in my career, when I was one of the lone ones kind of coming up, there wasn't a lot of us, I would voice my opinion. And I would say things when I didn't see things, I wasn't being treated right. Like one example was... An MOW that I did many, many years ago. And um, well, I can tell you how many years ago, it would've been five years ago because my Mirabelle's four and a half, so five and a half, and I had found out I didn't know I was pregnant and I was brought onto this big show as an MOW, mm-hmm. but a good paycheck, big budget, big, big company. Um, that was running it, um, but even before the budgets now have squeaked down a little bit. Anyways, yeah. long story short, I had to go in for my physicals as directors do, and I went in and found out that I was pregnant. Oh, now my first pregnancy was a breeze; like I gave all natural birth, so I was quite pleasantly surprised. I was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm pregnant! This is so fantastic!" So we yeah. got back. Long story short, in my contract as a director, I'm supposed to be driven to and from set, um, and that was in my deal. That was a thing. Anyways, on a tech scout with my whole crew. All men, all around me, the production manager, who I guess had talked with the producers about it, they decided that um, that there was I was try, I was doing something wrong because I hadn't told them. And what he said to me, in his exact words, were uh, that he that he was taking away my driver and my first AD was going to have to drive me to and from set. And I was like, but you can't do that. And I'm like, it's in my contract. And like, I don't understand. He was like, well, you're pregnant, aren't you? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, well, don't you think you should have told us about that? And as you might have think, we have to find the money somewhere. Wouldn't you agree? And I was like, what? And this is before the whole movement. I actually yeah. called my union, discussed it. But again, this was in the early days. This was before Me Too. It was before yeah. all of that. And everybody was like, oh, I'm like, can I get fired? Am I going to get fired because I'm pregnant? And they're like, no, no, no. And anyways, that rolled out into be a big thing. But oh. I spoke up. you know what I mean? I spoke up, and when the movie was done, I told the network what happened, and I'll tell you it, I, I think I suffered for a couple of years, and it just pulled me back and every time. But I'm learning now, I've grown up and I've been in it long enough. yeah, and luckily, everybody's talking, it's become a conversation, and I feel a lot more relieved now because I'm not the only voice. yeah, you know everybody's talking about it now, you know, at least women are. we're talking about where we're getting slighted, so. Yeah, Where are those discussions happening then? Are you talking about like at a union level or just between
0: women or in productions? Like where are you noticing a lot of that conversation happening?
1: I definitely notice it within my union. Like yeah. all of that, like across the board for actors, directors, all of us. Like there's groups that are being formed, female groups. Um, and then just on online, like not direct colleagues of mine, but celebrities who are are getting the notoriety and they're famous. And now they're talking about it. Yeah. But funny enough, I feel like some of the stories that I would have to share still haven't been shared yet, you know, and yeah. uh, and it's and they're just different. They're just they're just being a female, really. But, you know, yeah. that, it's fine. It's fine because I'm so happy to be my gender and I love what I do. And I just I'm just trying to. Make a difference without being so loud. I can yeah. make a difference and just be a little quieter. So that's what I've been kind of working on.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, and working on and receiving accolades and and the like for for your work. Um, before I talk about more of the the challenges and the joys of directing, you know, we, we I did mention that you did win a Leo Award last year, and you did win that Legacy Award from DGCBC last year. Like, what 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 are those? What impact do those awards have on you? What does it mean to you to receive that kind of recognition, especially after some of the bumpy the bumpy moments that you yourself say that you've had along the way?
1: Yeah. Um, the Leo Award was really nice because um, I feel like I've written and directed a lot. And the movies that I was up against, I looked at them and they seemed like such bigger budgets. And uh, so I didn't necessarily know if I was going to get it because I just was looking at the film. And I think they juror off of the film and not off off of the actual script so they don't read the script they juror off of the movie itself um but that felt good because i was really happy with that script it was a thriller but it was a female protagonist that's you become sympathetic with so at the end you're almost rooting for this girl who's doing terrible things <laughs> but you kind of understand why yeah and i put a lot of heart and soul with that tara cowell produced it with me and that's when her and i became really close friends so it felt really nice that people responded to that movie um and then the Leo, equally, like that was, that's been a really, really nice. It's made me close with my union. Oh, the Legacy Award. Or Legacy. Yeah. 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 What did I call it? The Leo. Oh, the Leo. The, the Legacy they're both Ellie. Yeah, Ellie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that you have so many yeah. awards.
0: You forget oh, what they're called. Right.
1: <laughs> um, love it. Well, it's nice. Yeah. know, yeah. being older, because like I got some awards when I was younger, but now being older, it's great. And the Legacy Award. Um, that, that again like it was some of the other people that were kind of up for it um, who have again they've they have such amazing careers that it felt nice that they gave it to me and then gave it to me to go on and make this movie that I was quite passionate about and that they got behind so um, yeah it just felt like a little bit of a marker and what it's done for me is given me um, a little bit more wind in my sails now and given me the opportunity opportunity to tell my own stories because my bread and butter are the television movies. Yeah. But even with that I've I've grown and my producers and the networks are letting me do different stuff, you know, yeah. they're letting me I keep doing these new things for networks and it's been really great. But now I want to start telling I'm trying to move my career in a different direction and get some of my other stories out and the legacy you know, it just put wind back in my sails that now I have something out that's fully my voice. Yeah, if I'm not doing this. Yeah,
0: and yeah. we will talk more about that. But I will say after I, I watched it this morning, and I'm like, wow, this is like this is a statement. This is like this film is a declaration. You mm-hmm. know, no, in a good way. You just made a little like face, like oh. no, in the yeah. best possible. I'm so excited to see what what follows, but. You know I'm as a as a director on on a lot of the productions that you worked on like what are when are when are you the most fulfilled and satisfied you know when you're when you are working on these on these productions these made for TV movies
1: I think when I come onto a project, I instantly like my girls know it. I get excited, like yeah. I get excited about it. And like if you talk to my first AD and my producers that like that I work with a lot, they're like, I get so excited and I get creative. And then especially if I've written them, but if I'm even working with writers that I've worked with because they let me do.
0: Oh right, because you're not tinker. always you're not always writing what you're directing or directing what you're writing, right? Yeah. So, oh, is it? Does it feel different when you're, when you're directing something that you're that you
1: haven't written? does. It does. Um, but it's it's gotten. Um, but you can put I just put my own stamp on it. And that's sometimes we're coming up with creative ways to tell the story and shots and stuff that's not on the paper that you pull and put on the screen. Yeah. Um, uh, but I come alive like I love being on set and watching an actor and all of a sudden they just they just hit it yeah and you know and then it's even better when they're struggling and um, I worked a movie that's coming up I, I think it's premiering February with Joy lens I don't know what the new name is but um, oh, there's a scene with her him her and Luke McFarlane and they they were both just trying to find it and trying to find it and it was it felt like theater or theater in the sense that I felt like I was like a director at my best and also because yeah. I had worked with her and I went over and I sat and talked her through it and I was like yeah but if your boyfriend broke up with you and he did this and he went on to do that and like this and I'm like and blah 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 and this is where you are yeah. and I could see her be like right yeah and then we did <laughs> it and she did it <laughs> she got it and I had um, uh, my two producers with me and we were all everyone we were all like chatting like clapping it was Yay. so exciting oh but, that's um, awesome and right now I'm doing uh, a musical Oh, that's totally in your wheelhouse, eh? <laughs> yeah.
0: And you, it, I mean, you, you did musicals, and our kids did musical theater together. <laughs> like, I know that music is yeah. super important to you. Yeah, a musical for, for can you say for who?
1: Um, well, so I'm producing it, and I'm directing it. And it came to me as a regular romance that would probably go on, like, a Hallmark, or could be sold to Netflix, whatever it would be. Um, but the producer, Tim Johnson, and, I, and he was like, ah, what can we do? And he was like, it's good. Like, and the, the writer I've worked with a lot, Barb Kamlicka. he was like, well, what can we do? What are you going to do with this? Like, how can we make it different? And yeah. I'm always doing different types of movies. Like, I did one baby boot camp with all these babies. But Tim trusts me. Yeah. And I was like, when it rains, it pours. I was like, this is fantastic. I can work with the rain. And I was like, what about if we do a musical? And he's like, a musical? And I'm like, not like Over the Moon, because I did Over the Moon, which was, I call a music movie with Jessica Lowndes. Mm. I'm like, but a musical. And he was like, oh. All right. So right now I've been writing music, working with my composer, Freddie, who did the music for Her Coming and he did music for a couple other films I did earlier in my career. Um, so we've been writing literally music like I'll show it to you after this, but they're, yeah. they're awesome songs. It's so much fun. So I'm just like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to do something. It's a just something totally different. And again, no one has done it yet. Yeah. Like There's been La La Land and the big budget ones, but no one's done it. At least had a sale to. It's there's no sale yet, but a sale to a network, not right? Knock right? Back it yeah. So hopefully, yeah. Um, Who are okay? This is
0: this is totally like a, a fan service question, I think. But who are some of your favorite actors to work with? Because I like I've seen that that you, you have some people that you some actors specifically that you've collaborated with a, a few times. Um, so like what, like you know like I'm thinking of like a Chris Russell. Uh, like what like who do you love to work with? You don't have to say who you don't like to work with, but who yeah. you love to work with and what are the, like the special qualities that they bring, you yeah. know, to, that make them one of your go-to performers.
1: Yeah. Well I have a couple like I've done like I've done four with Lacey Chabert she was in my first movie Slightly Single but that's totally not a Hallmark brand yeah. but yeah. we were <laughs> she's a very close friend and then now for these romances I've worked a lot with Jen Lilly and yes. Joy Lenz but locally in the Canadian Vancouver scene yeah. or Canadian scene altogether some of my favorites again you'll see them pop up Yeah, <laughs> I have kind of my collection at Jill Morrison Woo! Yeah, she's been in quite a few films um, I have used Chris Russell a lot um, who Hates.
0: literally is like he's like a Disney Prince walking oh, around. Yeah, it's yeah. so
1: talented. Yeah,
0: yeah. Gotta get him in here. Chris, come to the show. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, Chelsea Hobbs. I've used yeah. a lot. She's like um, pretty much anyone that you've seen in there. Uh, Matt Anderson, Lucy Guest, um, Donna. I never know how to pronounce Donna's last name. <laughs> I should. Benito. Benito oh, Benedicto. Benedicto.
0: Benedicto. Yeah.
1: Lucia. Yeah. Uh, well just She's been a lot of my movies. Um,
0: so what are what is it about these that make like make you love them? You know, because you've worked with hundreds of actors, I'm sure you don't love everybody. Like, what is it about? Like, how how does an actor go about getting like becoming one of your must cast actors?
1: It's almost an it's that they're good to be honest like you know they can't they come prepared they they come prepared and they're they have a range most of all of these actors have a range or i've gotten a shorthand with them so i almost like when i'm now i'm like oh i know what i'm gonna get yeah and i know i can communicate with them and it just makes everything easier and it makes the day go i just feel like i make a better movie when i'm working yeah but like say someone like matt anderson matt anderson is so funny like i don't think people would know how funny he is as a comedian but then, as a serious and dramas, he's also so good. His range is so big. Someone like. He's so good in her coming. He's so good. Yeah, he's so good. Yeah. And. Um,
0: Almost didn't recognize him because I'm so used to, see, like, you know, I think of him as, like, the funny guy. Yeah. And he brushes his hair a little differently. And I'm like,
1: oh, he's so serious. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> even someone like Lucy Guest, again, funny. They're a couple, but yeah, she's also. She has huge range, like her comedic chops are so great. And the timing is just boom, boom, boom. So I know, like I literally think of my lead actress, and so normally they're coming in from the States. yeah, And often I've worked with them. And then I'm like, oh, okay, who's going to, and even like a chill, I know how they're going to bounce off of each yeah. other. Um, that's where I feel like sometimes a little bit of a puppet master, you know what I mean? Ah. But do you know what I mean? That's what's yeah. fun directing. Because I'm like, ooh, how is everyone going to get along? Like, that'll be great. So... Uh, so- Okay, you don't have to. But it's the range. That's what I would say. Actors with range and also that come to set prepared, they're not dramatic and they don't cause a fuss. And honestly, that's what turns me off a lot. Um, If I have an actor that comes to set and um, they, if I hear, because I hear everything, right? And also I get my nose in everything. I always make sure it's part of my job. But if they're being jerks to the costume designer or the second or third AD, or they're making a fuss about something. I understand all of it because I, I've been a talent too, and all my friends are actors. Yeah. But there's one thing when you go too far, and then it becomes a thing on set, and it's slowing us down, and we're not. And I'm not going to make my day. Yeah. Then I, sometimes I'm like, eh, okay, it's like note taken. Like I'm not going to. Or if they set a bad vibe, right? Like my sets, I like to keep my sets fine, fun. And if you're having a bad day and something's going um, wrong for you in that scene, you kind of have to. Pull it back because it just spreads bad vibes. Yeah, but luckily I haven't had a bad vibe set in a long time. Well, that's so good. That's good. We're,
0: we're knocking wood for <laughs> Knock that. Wood. Yeah. Is there is there such a thing though as an undirectable actor? You know, and like if if so, how do you deal with that?
1: Well, I I think that that comes down to making sure that you have a great casting director. Mm. there I've had like honestly I can only think of one particular actor and the only reason that that person was undirectable is because they were so green and I didn't know that they were in the audition Mm. so on set like I just kept giving the direction and he wasn't getting it so then as the camera was rolling I just was like okay I just gotta line read this so I'd line read it and he still couldn't even hit that and that's just copying at that point point. Yeah. and then they get nervous and it's terrible but normally I find the undirectable are the super inexperienced because they're just so nervous and they can't figure it out but yeah. luckily that's that's rare I try not to yeah. do that I went through it once and then we wanted to ADR all of his lines because they were he couldn't even say it like he was just mumbling and Aww. stuttering it was so sad I know it was so bad like has he was, do you know if he's kept on in the industry or uh, I think that he's down to like just actor roles and principal roles. If he physically fits, it he is because he yeah. was so nice. But I couldn't. There was nothing I could do. And yeah. I'd cut, and I'd have. I'm going out, and then I'd sat and worked with him. And that's a lot of work. Like that's a lot of like hours takes time. and
0: money. Yeah, <laughs> and like time is money, right? Yeah. Um. So how how then? You, I mean, you mentioned that pupper, at uh, puppet the puppet master role. I mean, as a director, that's part of like what? what like what do you? What do you think of, like, what is a director on set? Like, is that what your role is? Is it, is it being a leader? Is it a
1: facilitator? Is it a puppet master? Like, what do you see your role as? Well, one, I think it's setting the tone for the whole set because movies are made with, it's a whole team effort. So yeah. making sure that my whole crew and everybody is on the same page as me and if we're not on the same page making sure I can communicate effectively and not offensively to make sure we get on the same page effectively and not offensively so, so what- I'm not offensive to them or someone doesn't take what I'm saying in the wrong way mm. again I've learned that over it's like just doing so many like working for so long it, that doesn't really happen anymore I've learned to yeah. um, but in a, before earlier in my career someone might get upset if you're giving them direction and that would be crew you know that they've whether it's art director or something, um, so but I've learned that it's just making sure that everybody is on the same. And what uh, I've gotten into the habit of asking is if I say something, I'm like, does that make sense to you? Yeah. And making sure that they're like, I do. I'm like, okay. So what am I? If I don't think I'm like, so what do you think I just said? And they'll throw it back. I'm like, okay, perfect, good, we're on the same page. And then for actors, it sounds like
0: parenting a
1: bit. <laughs> Sometimes. It's do you understand? <laughs> tell me what I just said. Yeah. yeah. It's like just, but then the ships go smooth. Yeah. And then with actors, I, I don't um, – I just think that my job is just like fine-tuning normally. Yeah. It's just like a little fine-tuning. Sometimes I'll do full-on alts, and that's why I like working with some of the actors I've worked with a lot. Because I'm like, okay, what you just did was amazing. I love it. But can we do something totally different? Hmm. And again, it's making sure that an actor doesn't get offended or, or they feel like they didn't do a great job. Because it's not that they did a great job. It's just that you want something totally different. And I like the actors that are like, yeah, sure. Give me a second. They think. They're like, okay, I got this. And again, that's with me as a director. I'll give them some sort of direction. Like, what if you, and for blocking, I'll be like, what if you do this? And then I'm like, I'm not pushing you into the corner to do that. But especially M.O.W.s, we're on a time schedule. And then be like, what do you think? And it's nice when they're like, all right, yeah, cool. And they do it. It's a collaboration. I find it's a collaboration. But really, for me, I like to stay off the break you know and just Mm. let them go and then pull back I like an actor that gives me more and then I can pull it back yeah and they have to trust it's a lot of trust they have to trust that I'm steering them in the right direction and if we did a take and I got it that they trust when I say we're going to move on and um, so it's a, a lot of trust and friendship there where they'll be like okay I trust you and move on and So far, I think that's why some of my actors like working with me. Yeah. Because I'm like, we go so fast. I'm like, but if I have it, we move on. We can talk about. it. And also, when they ask for another one, I'm like, but if you want another one, you tell me. Do you want another one? Like, yeah, I kind of want another one. I'm like, okay, let's go again. Yeah. okay. And a lot of that, I guess, comes through the shorthand as
0: well. Yeah. Just give you a look. I'm like, okay, I can see. I can see Lucy's giving that look. We're going to do one more. Now, Lucy's somebody who is also an up and coming director. As well, like, like, and I'm just, I'm just curious, you know, as far as like, you know, going through everything you've gone through, like, what kind of role is mentorship, being a mentor, playing into the work that you're doing now as a, as a director, you know, yeah. like, are, are you, like, is that something that you're thinking about, the ways that you can, and can, you know, give a hand out and, and help people, you know, not make the. Face the same challenges you faced or make the mistakes that you made or?
1: Well, Lucy. um, So Lucy had done some shorts and they had. uh, Did really well. And they've done. She's gotten a lot of recognition. So she started shadowing me. Um, So shadowed me on a couple movies. Um, I've had quite a few younger female directors who are now directing features shadow me. And with Lucy, like she'll tell you, I for her first job, her first feature, I put a text and an email into him twice and encouraged him to hire her. I was like, this is like, have you, do you know that she won all these awards? Do you know? And she's been shadowing me and she's amazing yeah. and you love her as an actress, but you should look at her as a director. And then off she went. And, um, and even now, like Lucy and there's quite a few other younger female, not younger, necessarily younger, but earlier in their career directors. Yeah. We'll talk. They'll call me, and it's frustrations on set, and they're going through what I've already been through, and it's like, how do you handle this? Like, what am I doing? and I'm like, and then we'll I'll walk them through it, or make sure they don't think that they're going crazy, and yeah. give them advice on how to handle a certain situation. And my friend, uh, Connie, she's doing her first movie when time got louder, and Jason Burks producing it, and I Woo! introduced her with him. And <laughs> We're fans of Jason here at the White Rose Green Scene Podcast. He's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> he's the best. He's the best. He's an amazing director and also an amazing producer. But she shadowed me for a while, and I kind of mentored her, and now she's off doing her first indie, which is going to be amazing. She developed it at UBC. We went to UBC and got our master's together. So, Oh, fantastic. Um, oh, so excited. I'm just, I,
0: I love I've known you for a long time, and I am learning so much about you today so i'll have new images that come to my mind now when i think about you okay we got to take a break um but when we come back i want to talk about uh we're going to talk about storytelling and uh, we're going to talk about your latest project which we have referenced a few times times her coming how's that for a cliffhanger let's take that break (laughs) This week, the YVR Screen Scene podcast is brought to you by the BC branch of the Directors Guild of Canada. And we are so lucky once again to be joined by none other than award-winning director, Zach Lepofsky. Hi. Zach.
2: I must be a huge hit because I keep coming back. <laughs> it's, not because we're, we're, it's not because I'm paying to be here. It's just, you know, people people just want to know so much about the DGC.
0: Well, I mean, honestly, it's, it is like this not-so-secret society of directors, and right. I am eager to learn more. Okay. Let's talk about this red-hot commodity that we have here in BC: our directors. Yeah. Why should American Productions hire BC
2: directors? Well, obviously they're incredibly talented, and they've got the inside scoop on all the stuff going on around. They know the best actors, the best locations, you know, the best crew. Um, but unfortunately, uh, the BC director has been struggling to get hired on all the productions in town. You know, as the surge of U.S. production has come here, which has been amazing for just the industry and all the crew. Uh, They tend to not hire that many Canadians. Shocking, I know, even though we're already here. Uh, (laughs) And so that was really what fueled this whole campaign that we have called Just Watch Us, um, and really this tool called directors.ca. And that is basically a a site that doesn't just profile all of our directors, but it's like a search engine. It's it's like Airbnb, but for directors. Um, and that is a tool we've built so that you can, US uh, people that hire directors, the decision makers we call them, can go to directors.ca, see all the directors we have, and they can refine down their search to find the perfect person, the perfect voice for their film, so they or TV show or whatever. So they could put in, I want a director who can speak Hungarian, who uh, you know has worked with children and also has visual effects (laughs) experience. And it would, you know, single down to the few directors that meet those qualifications. It's a very powerful tool.
0: That's so rad. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to go on there and do some searching as well (laughs) for
2: all of my dream productions. Everyone should.
0: Yeah. Okay, so where can our listeners go to learn more
2: about the DGC? Uh, Well, they can head to directors.ca, like I was just saying, um, and they can follow us on Just Watch DGC on Instagram and Facebook.
0: Thanks, Zach. Yeah. What is a Christie Will Wolf story.
1: Well, I would say I have my dramas and I have my comedies. So my comedies the, the uh, romantic comedies that are out of the MOW world. So one that I'm working on it's a that I've been working on for a while. It's called Fishing for Men. And uh, I, saw, I got a great visual there. yeah. But it's, I've <laughs> taken... Cast a line out there and start reeling them in. Reeling it throwing in. Throwing them
0: back. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> Doesn't work. So I've been working on that for a while, and it's similar to my first. I've taken, kind of gone back to what I did with Slightly Single in L.A., uh, very autobiographical. Yeah. It's about this, starts out on set. It's a big, beautiful Christmas thing anyway. She's a female writer-director in the M.O.W. world, and so it's me, and she has these two kids. So I have that one. It's about dating and romance and then i have um i have my big big feature that i'm moving right now and it's called my mtv and it's uh based on the book by gary van haas a true story it's a biopic so i have mary allo who's doing huge she's a very big well-known producer and a mentor and i've known her forever and ever so she's on it as a producer and tara cowell i have on as a producer Mm. and David Foster is an executive producer, the mu- music thing, but he's he's here and there. He's kind yeah. of on and off and on and off. So we, I have money in the bank, and we've met with Telefilm. We'll see how that goes, and we have an offer out for a big leading stars. So that would be my big first nine million dollar movie. But mm-hmm. uh, like all movies, are really hard to get off the ground. So I say that it's going to go this year, but I don't know. Right, yeah. waiting to see what the answer is from my actor right now that we're out on, and then. Um, and then I have my dramas I have one that's called My Mother's Story and it's also the story about my mom and my dad and it starts in the 60s and it weaves in between that and that's kind of more of a drama and that's my heavier side and it goes in between a girl similar to me and that'll be a personal movie so I'm working on that and then I just did my short film Her Coming um I don't know. I think that all of my stories are, tell parts of me. Like it's yeah. all facets of me. I think all of my movies—they're all you they're because all you me. contain <laughs> multitudes,
0: right? You know, yeah. like um, So I, I, as I say, I watched her coming um, this morning, and like I sent you a message like right away that I was like I was just awestruck. Like it was it was beautiful, and it was an incredible statement. It wasn't what I was expecting. Like I don't know what I was expecting, but I guess I'm. I had this idea in my mind of uh, I, I don't know, like maybe that was more in line with the with your made for TV movies or something. And this is this is definitely not that. Like this is this is it's it's emotional, it's philosophical, it's political, it's it's like it takes place in a in like a dystopian or utopian, <laughs> uh, whichever way you want to look at it. Uh, I don't know how much you want to say about it, but but future. But let's talk about the. Um, the inspiration for this film, like what your starting point was. And and you decide how much you want to say about the actual storyline yeah. of this film. Because I don't wanna I don't wanna give something away that you don't want to give away.
1: Yeah. Um the inspirational well, you might guess, it's like a personal film and I went macro and micro on it. So yeah. macro, what's really important to me right now, which has been important to me since I was a kid, like 16, I wrote a song called don't kill our memories of today I literally have a little recording on a tape cassette and and it's really it's just at the core of me I don't know and and it's that movie was inspired by all things me I felt like as I say it was my hemorrhage piece like I feel like I just hemorrhaged out my life like You know, from a marriage that was not that great, that didn't work out and being a full single mom with full custody, raising two daughters on her own now and also being a single mom with no parents alive. Right. So I'm really Mm. solo in the world and trying to move through whether it's now I find as a woman, um, I just it's just all the complexities that I feel like that I am at the core of who I am and that what I and then I just try to bring in everything that I find that's important to me and yeah I feel like I just kind of threw up on screen <laughs> but no but it's I mean but it
0: also it's, it's all that and yet there's kind of like ai don't want to say that it's like anything because it's very much your own thing but I was I was reminded of like it, it, there's a Margaret Atwood kind of Handmaid's Tale aspect to it
1: or, um, which I find interesting so I haven't seen any of Handmaid's Tale I've never watched it but I've had like a, my creative team so those two songs that I open with and I close with those were written for the movie oh, so you're vocalist Amazing. Uh, Esther. Canada. She's an old friend of mine. We're born a day apart in Los Angeles. i my friend for 20 years. She lives in Croatia. And then Evan White, who's music's Vandalux. He's like one of the top artists on Apple right now. Yeah. He did my music for Over the Moon. He did the music and then I... We sent it down to Croatia Croatia, and this was all done over the internet, like two close friends and they made these two original songs. Wow. And then the composer is Freddie, who, you know, he's won an Emmy and he came out, these guys came on for nothing, like just to come and do it. So it was such a, and then my DPs and my producers, it was such a, everyone just got behind me and didn't Your DPs were, you had
0: the Talbots, you had uh, Nelson Nelson and and Graham. Graham. Yeah. 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 The Twins. The Twins, <laughs> two for one. They're yeah. the tubers. I love them. They know I'm Same there. quality. They're excellent. But, you know, one, one of the um the incredible things about the film is not only is it a story that is is anchored and I'm being super vague. And honestly, when audiences when or listeners, when you see this, you'll realize why I'm being vague. You have to experience the film. Uh, but it is about, you know, this this alternate dystopian kind of or as I say utopian future. Uh, and it's about womanhood and motherhood and daughters and it features your your daughters it features your children um and i just i i just like i can see why you chose to cast your doctor your daughters in her coming like they are phenomenal but what did their presence in the story add to your experience of this film like what did it mean to you to have your daughters in this film
1: to be honest like i've um makes me want to cry but it's felt i've I've had to have a lot of conversations with Tara Cowell, my one of my producers on it who developed like I went to her right before I was going to do it because I was like, if all of a sudden started feeling exhibitionist, but that wasn't my intent to start out on it. But then I started when I saw them on screen after watching it and the the story is so personal, it becomes very micro at the end, like those texts and stuff are texts that I've had, you know, like that story is so personal and real that all of a sudden I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't let them see this. Like, I can't let them watch this. They can never watch this. Like, what have I done? And I was like, what am I going to do? Like, this is too it's too personal and I should never have put them in it. And then she walked me off the ledge. She was like, no, you didn't. You 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 put your kids in because they're great. And Amelie's yeah. already acting and they're fine. And they don't watch it. They watch it when they're older, when they're in their teens or something like that, you know. Yeah. Um. So that was that experience that it was. It hasn't been one where I have my oldest uh, in like my MOWs, Ws and she's acting a lot now, uh, where that's like, oh, I love it. Look at her, she's doing great. This yeah. one was more like I feel like I coil up at it now a bit. They're great, but it just is. It just feels so personal. You won't be
0: able to share this one with with them for. Oh yeah, I can't share this one. not until they're teens. It's so inspiring though. I guess like the like I, I I was thinking about the impact that they had on you having them on the film because of there's this one moment where, I mean, Amelie's character comes and is just like, she's this little girl and yet she's the power in the room yeah. as well. And it was just so beautiful because it was like honor... like it. it I mean, there, there's so many layers to your movie, but it was really about like, you know, like that moment was like, okay, you have to listen to the child and this child has...
1: Power and you, you know? feel it too as a mom, right? Like Absolutely. Our, our children, as we see, they are our future. They are the coming of Christ. Yeah. They are our world. You know. Yeah. So they shape the road, and that, like, I think just as a mom, like, that's how we feel, right? Yeah. Well, you should be very proud of this oh, film and proud to
0: I'm scared proud to share it. <laughs> so I, so where, like, what's the journey then for this film? Are you, like, are you will you be setting it on the on the festival circuit or what? What's the when can our our listeners I know that every film has a long journey but I want to tell like I want to keep my listeners up to date on on when and how and where they can watch this film
1: so I feel that when I made it I again knock on wood right because I, I you don't know as a filmmaker people are going to respond to it or not respond but I'm like you know what I'm 27 movies in. I should I have to make something that does something and whatever that means anyways so I'm hoping that I get picked up by one of the the big the big five really so my first so i'm going to go through that first before i start hitting the smaller festivals so can is the first one
0: yeah
1: um and if they say yes that's why i get my premiere and if they say no which as you know it's so competitive oh yeah (laughs) it's like a you know it's a very slim chance but i feel like i'm like who knows you don't know and then i'll go to tiff i'll probably see the problem is is with films if i go to vif and Then I get swung out of rotation. Like, then I could never get a premiere at Tribeca or any of the big ones. So I you almost as a filmmaker need to go through the whole round of all your big ones. Yeah. And then if you don't get accepted, then you kind of go to the second tier. Although I love Vancouver Film Festival. It's an amazing festival. Uh, yeah, but as a filmmaker, I just want to be at an Academy accredited festival that's at the top tier just to get that recognition back to my career, to put some win back in my sales, to make yeah. the feature, make the TV series, because that's, you know, it's all about so that. So you have
0: to be as a storyteller then thinking in the moment, but also being practical and thinking ahead. And as thinking a producer, about uh, really, right? Produced, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's a lot of different uh, hats to <laughs> <laughs> hats to to juggle. How do you think of your yourself then? Like, I, I, I often, but I ask the multi hyphenates who come in here, like how they see themselves. Now, all the different parts like in, interlock. Like, how do you describe yourself?
1: Um, I describe myself as a writer, director, producer. And I've embraced the producer just starting in the last couple of years, especially like this musical that I'm doing right now. I loved that. I was like, I need to be a producer on this. I'm putting together the whole team. And there's been so many movies where I make choices and I don't get to on the bigger ones. Right. When the network comes in and I know that, too, I just step off. I'm a gun for hire like they just do it. Yeah. But the ones where I'm not, I am a gun for hire still, but I have a creative say that it's like, trust me. You know, you got to trust me. I know what I'm doing. I'm going to, I know that my job is, you've hired me to make you money. Yeah. So trust me, I'm going to make you money. I'm going to make you something commercial, bio, like viables in the in the M.O.W. world. So, yeah, I would say I'm a triple threat in that. Like, I think that I'm strong in all three, but different as a producer. There's some that are really accomplished, and I'm not there yet. But as a writer-director, I feel like my career is at a good spot. I've been doing it a long time. Yeah. yeah. Is, this, is this a career
0: that you would or an industry, mm-hmm. that you would recommend to your girls? I mean, um, you, you mentioned already that Amelie is, I mean, they're both on
1: screen now, and Amelie is acting. Yeah. I i don't know. Like, I, I'm letting Amelie continue to be in my movies. Like, I have one coming up after this in the spring that I wrote a part. She'll be in it, and it's a, le- a leading role. Um, I don't know if I'd recommend. I feel like I want to supo- be supportive of them, but I think most importantly what I'm trying to do is to make them socially responsible individuals. And I'm really enforcing to them that they need to be the voice our future needs as girls. And I don't know if that sounds super feminist or not, but I just think that they need to hear it now. That And Mari's very much the same way, your daughter, yeah, yeah. right? Like they're strong, independent girls. And I keep telling them, I'm like, you can be the president. You can be the prime minister. Those, I want you to have a voice and be okay to give your voice loud and clear and I feel like that's all I'm trying to teach them right now don't be afraid to be shy be strong and you're just as good as all those boys at that they're not there yet right they're not feeling it yet but they're gonna start coming up we gotta make them comfortable with that especially because they're coming up
0: against a lot of contradictory energy right you know Mm -hmm. negative energy energy that wants them to stay in their place or not push back you know and And they can
1: still fall in love like I'm not a feminist I love men like I love all aspects of being a woman and man and it's not about that it's just about I think that the world needs female leaders we just need if this planet is to be saved it's literally on the brink of extinction and us as a human race it hasn't sunk in and the reason it hasn't sunk in is because men are calling the shots and the way that men deal with conflict or uh, differences is that they use phys- physical assault that's it. That's what they do. They don't talk. And we don't. Like, if you and I didn't get along, a it's not like I'm going to drop a bomb on your head. We just wouldn't think like that. And that's where I truly believe that the only way the planet will be saved is one world, female. I just okay. do.
0: I'm not going to give a spoiler, but I will say that, that is, you can read a lot into that, into what her coming is all about. It's true. I'm just going to say. Oh, my God, Christy. It has been an absolute pleasure to have you here today. I guess I just want to end with um a, a question about WTF moments. <sighs> what the fuck moments like what are, are do you have moments where you're like, what the fuck this is actually my life in this industry? Yeah, you know and and if so, what are those?
1: I don't know, I guess I don't. Like, it's only when I think I'm having a really bad day or I'm depressed and I get on the phone with, like, one of my best friends, Stephanie Lidecker, and then she picks me up and paints a picture of myself that I'm like, oh, okay. Because, honestly, I wouldn't have imagined having a career that I have. I'm so lucky to work. So, But, no, I think I'm so busy just doing it and being a mom that I don't get those often. Maybe I need to try to more, but, Hmm. no. I don't. <laughs> I yeah. wish I did. I would be like, "Oh, what the fuck!" I'm fabulous, but no, I don't. Yeah. Well, I think that um,
0: I've. I mean, this is my space where I have my "what the fuck" moments, right? Oh, I can't yeah. believe I
1: get to do this. This was so awesome. I this loved is having you here. Like, I'm so proud today. of you. Like this is fantastic. Aww. And the studio, if you guys haven't been here, probably a lot of you have. <laughs> but the studio's amazing. It's just. It's just great and what you're doing in this industry you know what I mean like you are kind of becoming the voice in our industry right now and really focusing in on the talent in Canada and we have so much talent we have you know? so much talent we have so many and shows. it's tell. all being made yeah. here everyone's doing so yeah. well it's it's amazing so yeah. well you
0: are amazing okay Christy Will Wolf where can our listeners find you on social media
1: uh, at uh, on Instagram at Christy Will Wolf that's pretty much I don't do a lot of Twitter anymore yeah. uh, so it's mainly Instagram uh, yeah, I guess. It's yeah, you're Instagram.
0: pretty active on Instagram. Yeah, you're yeah. you're a you're a great Instagram. <laughs> Instagram. So, like, side note, I mean, I I've noticed because I I I watch daytime. I've watched daytime. I love serialized drama. So I was like, oh, Teresa from Days of Our Lives. and Christy's working with her all the time? Like, I'm such a who?
1: Which one? Jen Lily. Oh, Jen. Just Teresa. Oh, she, she's flying into town. She's <laughs> going to be into town like next week. We're doing another. She's in my musical. She's starring in my musical. I
0: I love it. Yeah, because she she is a singer, right? Like, I just I I've. I love. I I also know that people who have worked in in soaps are like the hardest working people. The m- number of pages they had to do every
1: day and the hours they worked. It's just that's how Jen Lily is phenomenal. Like everyone, like Jen. That's kind of my first. Like, and yeah. I was like, you do so many with or what? And I'm like, well, you know what? This genre that I work in, it's like it's not gonna make or break me if I work with someone new. Although I have lots of great new actresses, yeah. but. She comes to set and like Jen is so prepared. Yep, so good. There's no time to waste with Ugh, with actors who so come
0: good. from soaps, right? Yeah, yeah. And, but she plays like lovely, lovely people on your on your shows, right? Because yes. in like on days she was. She's not very nice. She's like a total badass villain. Yeah, so anyway, respect to the daytime actors. And if you want to see all the people that Christy's working with, follow her on Instagram. Uh which was again, sorry. At
1: Christy Will Wolf. At Christy Is that okay? Yeah. It. Isn't okay.
0: It? Yeah, some people add like ones
1: or could be at nines Christy underscore Will, but I think it's at Christy Will Wolf.
0: I will add a link to that in the footnotes okay. for this episode. <laughs> all right. And to you, our listeners, I say thank you. Please like and subscribe. Leave us a review if you are so inclined. Find you can find us at www.yvrscreenscene.com you can follow us on twitter and facebook and instagram at yvr screen scene the yvr screen scene podcast is hosted and executive produced by me sabrina firminger and it's produced and edited by simon firminger we give special thanks to our patreon ad reader mariana firminger and to tyson braddock and paul firminger for family business for the technical support and Screen Scene is a division of Fish Flight Entertainment. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic film and television scene. And...